liberals, not the conservatives, are the one who pound, pound, pound.
everybody, welcome to the Plex. We do the show live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Just a quick reminder, don't forget to tune in at 5.30 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday. Because I think it's episode uh, three or four of Soups. It's a night meeting of the Shasta County Board of Supervisors. That'll be pretty fucking cool. Well, meet you, Wench. Yours truly, of course. The councilman probably pop by. Might have some Nathan, the creator of all the world's problems. So that should be cool. Also, if you would like to support this project, you can do that uh, a variety of ways. Just go to echoplexmedia.com, click the support tab, and uh, I don't know, the best way to support us, I suppose, is the merch, but you could also just directly give me money. I'm Producer Dave. You can uh, find me on uh, Grinder, and this is what the people want. I don't hate the cops. Oh, there's a person inside when the truncheon stops Oh, donate the cops Oh, when the raiders come Who will protect the shops? Donate the cops They're a sensitive bunch If you don't stop throwing your rocks Snap, crackle, pop It's the sound of a taser Your body drops Donate the cops oh, Donate the cops Donate the cops oh, Donate the cops Thank your local police Cause they don't do nothing wrong Thank your local police Got rid of the corruption And the racism is gone They've been keeping the peace Keeping homeless folks out of the parks and malls Got a cure for your social disease Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops terribly sure where to put this uh, Ted Rack video, so I put it first, because I didn't know where else to put it. We have less than six years to dramatically reduce fossil fuel emissions to keep warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius. 
Hi, I'm Ted Rack, and I'm sick and tired of scientists telling us mean, bad facts about our world in confusing ways. So I have a show now, where I have these folks come on and make them tell us their terrible message in a way that's easier to swallow. This is, come on now, you expect me to believe that? You expect me to believe that? I don't. No way. You come on, no that. way. You expect me to believe that? First up, I hooked him up with some new fashion. Now I've asked you to wear this funny shirt so I'll be more receptive and less hostile to the stuff you're gonna try and tell me, okay? Plus it's a really funny shirt and if I ever get bored I can look down. You expect me to believe that? All right, let's focus on making your messaging a little more appealing to someone like me. Someone who like, when I hear it, I get like a little mad because I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So like a normal guy, can you explain to me why I should care about climate change? Okay. So the earth exists in a delicate balance. It gets warmer because of the sun and it has to cool itself off by emitting radiation to space. As humans, we've been burning fossil fuels and that puts gases in the atmosphere that act like a heat trapping blanket. The Earth can respond to that by warming up its temperatures and sending more heat out to space, coming back into balance. The problem is when it warms up, that leads to all kinds of consequences for us on the ground, like heat waves, rain and floods and drought, ecological disruptions, all kinds of other environmental disasters. Fuck. I gotta be honest. What you're saying to me makes me want to fight you a little. <laughs> Come on, no way! <laughs> I wasn't even sure whether or not to put that on the docket, but I was like, that's pretty fucking funny. We can go, we'll just go ahead and put it first. Um, <clears throat> uh, speaking of climate change, uh, here's from the Tim Pool show. People were going to make them work for us, mm -hmm. and they did. And so, we went to the moon, allegedly, because, because of Warner Von Braun. So with, with the Hadron Collider being occultists, is that because they're into sacred geometry? They honestly think they can open a portal for demons. And, and they've been saying, like yeah, they've been saying. I know, I realize how that sounds, but, I mean, this is the same guy who's been riffing off stuff that you guys have well, been pulling up over and over again. Like, they literally are trying to create something like a spiritual It's like portal. a giant mystery college, right? The mystery schools where people talk about portals bringing beasts in through portals. I've talked to women, uh, this one woman in particular for the first Inverter World book that claimed she saw a beast come through a portal uh, at a mystery school, they called it. And the, the collider, the CERN in particular, is super dark. I wonder. I mean, if they've been looking for the God the particle. Maybe they've been looking for the God particle. Yeah, you know, in, the, Higgs boson. in the presence of the collisions, people are experiencing visions, and they just don't want to tell anyone about it. But they're they're. I think they think that they're down. getting information from interdimensional beings while they're high on dimethyltryptamine, and I think that they think they're getting the secrets of the universe. The or conspiracy. Or yeah, they actually both. are getting. You, the star you, you do a hit on Adrenochrome, <laughs> yeah. and then you do some DMT, and you go stand in front of the CERN. Yeah. Uh, You're so hopped up. <laughs> it's the, it's the good stuff. Um, but honestly, um, this is the conspiracy. I mean, I've actually learned this from Alex Jones, who's been right about just about everything. And, and even <laughs> if people listening this? don't believe in this stuff, it doesn't matter because that's what these lunatics do believe. Yeah, in. exactly. <laughs> so that was a clip about climate change. These dudes were supposed to go on there to like debunk climate change, and they're like, "Did you know the scientists believe in portals to the?" Fucking other dimensions? I mean, I don't even think these scientists have a track phone. How could they believe that? They can't believe this without a track phone.
What a wild fucking, what a wild fucking thing. Just fucking wild. Like, he's poisoning the mind of little racist 15-year-old boys the world over with this shit, honestly. Just poisoning their minds. As if they didn't have enough fucking brain rot. So now we're going to move on to more normal news, I suppose. Um, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas uh, was speaking to some uh, reporters at the border um, in the midst of, I don't know, Civil War 2.0 or whatever. We have a right when the federal government, we believe under the Constitution, we believe it's our right to protect our people, pure and simple, and to protect our country. The federal government is not doing it. That was part of Article 4, Section 4, when the United States was founded by the states, we created the government. They had a deal to protect us against invasion. Now, Joe Biden wants to argue what invasion is. Eight million people who have come into this country illegally, murderers, molesters, terrorists, rapists, gang members, drug dealers, carjackers, kidnappers. That's invaded. And by the way, who is sending all of them here? Who's getting paid for it here but armed cartels? That seems like an army to me. Well, at least you didn't fucking say it was the Jews. I suppose. Not great. Not great. There's more of this because, of course, there's more. Twitter being what it is, somebody decided to post this in 30-second uh, clips instead of, like, just, you know, one one-minute-and-thirty clip, but whatever. Here's more of this. Sir, the, the El Paso okay. shooter railed against a, a quote-unquote Hispanic invasion. Are you worried that your words are going to inspire the next look, uh, look, attack or violent attack it's against a, a Hispanics question. or migrants? Question. Look, this is a silly question. That was a crazed individual um, who who is a despicable human being that did that, okay? So leave that out. Look, the people that are crossing today are coming from all over the world. We just apprehended yesterday someone from Lebanon. Now ask me, how does someone from Lebanon get here? How's that work? Um, aircraft. Nigeria, Syria, uh, aircraft, Iraq, China. How do they get here? Boats. Cuba. Um, there are modes of transportation to get to um, Mexico, Central America, and South America. I named a few of them. Yeah, if people are trying to get to the United States from other countries, they uh, use um, uh, modes of transportation that are familiar to most of us. And we got one more clip of this. If a court orders uh, federal agents to have free access to this, are you going to be directing the state authorities to prevent federal agents from accessing this area? And also, are you going to be uh, directing state authorities to prevent them from uh, cutting the razor wire after that Supreme Court ruling? Well, first of all, they can cut the wire and we can patch it up. It's just, I mean, they cut it. If they cut it during the day, we'll put new wire up at night. Um, so that would be kind of senseless. I would throw the question to you. Why would they need to send anyone here. What would Border Patrol do here? There's a golf course here. They could play some golf. Maybe a game of softball. On the golf We're course? One crossing the border. That wire along these two and a half to three miles has stopped thousands a day from coming here. Next question. Um, you don't really play softball on a golf course, but that's not the, the worst. That, this, is, this is all really dumb. Like, these... <clears throat> Like, Texas is going to Texas, but, like, what's real dumb here is these other states that are, like, sending, like, National Guard and shit down to Texas to protect the border. States, like, that are, um, some of them are on the northern 
border of the United States, sending National Guard down there. And then, of course, because this is how the world works, we got people on Newsmax uh, openly talking about um, uh, a second civil war. There's rumblings that Joe Biden should or may actually federalize the National Guard, take that power away from Greg Abbott. Let's say this showdown, I mean, this, that's what it is. It's a showdown. It's a showdown of power and loyalties and constitutionality. Let's say he does that. How many people say, no, you know what? Screw you, Biden administration. And how many people stay and fight with Texas versus the federal things? And does that put us on course for a force-on-force -force conflict? I mean, right right now, you've got uh, the federal agents that are cutting the wire, and then you've got the Texas National Guard on orders to put up wire. I mean, this is a this is a counter uh, uh, a powder keg worth of uh, tension. So it's very uh, it, 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 it's it's a very weird situation. We certainly stand with uh, with Texas on their right to defend themselves, um, but Biden's going to be in a tough situation. So, in other words, he's going to try to federalize these troops. In other words, put them on federal orders and so now their allegiance technically goes to the president of the united states instead of the governor um and, and that's course, what the ultimate allegiance of the national guard is of course i think a lot of texans these are still um they're still yeah. texans that are weekend uh you know they're in a national guards they do one week in a month or when they get called up on duties by the governor mm -hmm. and uh, i think they would be in a difficult situation to protect their homeland or to follow what Biden's saying. Yeah, literally I, I open it. Very interesting. But then, you know, then you've got Oklahoma and Florida and Tennessee, and you got all these other states that would send our National Guard uh, to help and, and to support the efforts of, uh, of uh, Governor Abbott. Because every state is a border state. You talked about fentanyl. Uh, the deaths in Oklahoma, since I've taken office, are up 500%. And we know that's coming across the southern border. And then you think about the terrorists. Um, again, I just don't know what their end game is here. And, and I hope American people really wake up to what's happening. Well, Governor, I'm so <clears throat> I don't think people that are doing one weekend a month in the National Guard really want to uh, be brought up on uh, treason charges. <laughs> so they're probably just going to follow their orders. These people, this is they're they're I think they're in kind of a rude awakening if this thing does come to a head. But I also don't think it is. I think this is all for show. I don't think any of these states are going to just be like, no, I don't think they're going to do it. I don't, I can't see a situation where they might do it. I could be wrong. Well, then we'll certainly keep an eye on it. Up next, we got a uh, former presidential candidate, uh, Mitt Romney, um, is going to talk about this. There's a border policy debate that was going on in the, in the, House, of Rep in the House of Representatives and the Senate this week. Yeah, do you think this is what he wants, the issue, Donald Trump? This is what he's doing. Oh, I, I, think, I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is, uh, is really appalling. But the, but the reality is that, that uh, we have a crisis at the border. The American people are suffering as a result of uh, what's happening at the border. Uh, and someone running for president ought to try and get the, uh, you know, the problem solved as opposed to saying, hey, save that problem. Don't solve it. Uh, let me take credit for solving it later. 
but that is the cold, hard reality on Capitol Hill. Getting any deal through on an issue as complex as immigration would be complicated to begin with. And then when you have the parties likely standard bearer coming out and saying, don't get a cut a deal on immigration, that will convince many Republicans to listen to their standard bearer and say that it is not time to cut a deal. Let's wait on this issue. And then all the major issues that go along with it, funding for Ukraine, funding for Israel, funding for Taiwan, all we're supposed to tie together in this massive package, including these new border policies that they hope to get out of the Senate as soon as this week, and then try to get it over to the House, where the politics are even more complicated over there, given the Republican-led House and the alliance of the GOP leaders there with Trump, all spells potential doom for this almost must-pass package, potentially punting this into the next year as Republicans and Democrats, John, try to figure out what's next. Manu, I just want to focus on Mitch McConnell for a second and how big of a change this is in such a short period of time. Yes, he was pushing this because he really wants the money for Ukraine, but McConnell has also made clear that this deal on immigration is the best deal Republicans could get you know, in a generation. It's more of what they've been asking for in a long time, just a few days ago. He was saying this, and now he's saying, eh, forget yeah. it. Yeah, he, he's bowing to the political reality here. In fact, behind closed doors yesterday, uh, we're told that he, in fact, read a quote out loud from Donald Trump in 2018, talking about the very issues that they're negotiating in this in this process, a trio of senators are trying to cut a deal on immigration. Republicans believe they've gotten a lot. McConnell is trying to make the point that Trump tried to get these things while he was in office and couldn't do it because of Democratic opposition. Now Democrats have moved, he says, towards a Republican position on this issue. And they say that this is the opportunity to get this deal at this key moment, particularly as Joe Biden recognizes his own vulnerability on immigration but the politics so complicated here and the fear among Trump and his allies that cutting a deal could give Joe Biden something to campaign on, clearly driving the negotiations, clearly driving the political reality and the legislative outlook here on this major issue, John. Well, we'll find out if there are even negotiations anymore after what McConnell said and where Trump stands at this point. We'll have to see what happens next. Uh, Manu Raju, thank you very much. Keep us posted. I know you're, you're looking for senators walking by to get more information. If you do grab one, let us know. Thanks, Manu. Sarah? All right. Thank you, John. So I feel like this is a situation where the Democrats can just be like, all right, you don't want the deal, then let's not do the deal. Let's move on to something else. Fuck it. <clears throat> but the problem is they, there's, the, the Democratic Party lacks the fuck around and find out. They just lack it. They, they won't do it. They won't take risks. They're so risk averse. And they probably just so desperately want um, funding for Ukraine, Israel, and uh, Taiwan that they're, they're like going to like capitulate on this stuff. But now that they've fucking given the Republicans most of what they want, the Republicans are like, it's still not good enough. So then just fucking just tell them to fuck off then. I don't know what else, like, what else can you do? I just don't know what else, like, there's no other, there's no place to go from here. And that's that. But I guess, like, the Democratic Party being the feckless, spineless uh, organization that it is, they will just continue to uh, give the other side what, what they want. It's like, almost like it's not even a negotiation. It's just like, we are going to give you what you want. I wonder how much they negotiated with themselves before even presenting a, a, a bill or presenting their own ideas on this. All right, we're going to move on 
to um, more more stuff. Unfortunately, the former president is deeply involved in, but I guess some good news, I suppose. Uh, the president was uh, had been found uh, civilly liable for sexually assaulting uh, Jean Carroll, and uh, the judgment was $83 million. And here's a former uh, Trump attorney on uh, CNN talking about Trump's uh, current attorney through his head right now is the kind of disparity between the first verdict and the second verdict uh and you know when you listen to some of the things elena habba says about how they were stripped of the defenses i mean that's that, that's right because of the first trial you know had they had a different verdict in the first trial they might have had a different uh set of circumstances for the second trial but once you tried a case you're stuck with that conclusion she said outside court that she didn't rep she didn't regret representing Trump, but I mean, do you you know both of them? Do you think it's the other way around that he regrets having her having represented him in this? Nice jacket. You know, I I don't know. I mean, certainly, you know, from my perspective, I would regret having her represent him. Uh, I mean, I'd I mean, you used to be his attorney, do you? Do you think that in both of these trials, he was essentially undefended? Uh, and I think that it could have turned out differently. I mean, in the second trial, uh, unfortunately, because of the way the first trial went, I don't think anybody could have won the second trial. I think that, you know, once the issues were set up from the first trial, second trial was a loser from the beginning. The question is how big of a loser? And this goes back to, you know, a jury is going to come up with a number. And you have to put on the best presentation to them to get them to come to a lower number. And so all of these, you know, things that, that she did throughout the process, I don't think helps at all. Well, what about him? And that's, that's also a matter of in the courtroom, the attorney is the one who should be telling the client, you know, how to act, what to be doing and everything else. And, you know, one thing I always <laughs> tell my clients is in the courtroom, there's only 12 opinions that matter, and yours is not one of them. Everything we do has to be... Ooh, imagine anybody telling Trump that. Oh, there we're in a courtroom, actually. There's 12 people here whose opinions matter, and your opinion is not one of those opinions that matter. Ooh, I don't think... Uh-uh. You, maybe that's why this guy's Trump's former attorney. Maybe he said stuff like that to him. ...by what are those people in that box going to see? What are they going to hear? What are they going to think? How is it going to affect their state of mind? And I don't. Yeah, like he's right. He's like, well, you know, once you're once you've entered a courtroom, you're in like somebody else's world. If you're not an attorney, a judge, whatever, you just you kind of have to just do it. What the fuck your attorney says, because you you hopefully hired a good one and they, they have some experience dealing with the process. But I don't think that this guy was interested in that. I think he was interested in the grandstanding and. and almost like he like it was a campaign event sort of for him you know i don't think he i don't you know there's very little chance that this uh, victim will ever see um any of this money and um yeah so this is just a campaign event for the former president don't worry here's rudy rudolph giuliani to talk about this well the judge is a disgrace to the greatest court in america it's uh, called the Mother Court, the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, which had some of the greatest judges in American history. This judge is a pure disgrace. 
He's telling he's telling a lawyer what questions to ask. That's totally ridiculous. He won't let him defend himself. Uh, and, and how is it inconsistent? Let's say let's say he was first of all he was he was found not guilty or not liable for rape. It was sexual assault, not rape. And second, you can be you can be uh, guilty of rape, and still. A person can be a wacko. Yeah, that's what. He, that's what he's. Uh, I mean, with a defamation. Yes, you can. You can be guilty of that and be a wacko. I got. Oh, or you mean the person that you did it to is a wacko? Well, the person you did it to can be a wacko, but they still have the right to not have that happen to them. You can be a complete whack job, and uh, still have the right to not have um, not be uh, assaulted. You can be completely crazy. And just you have the right to not be assaulted. I don't. I think that this is uh, uh, like easy enough to understand. Up next, and don't worry. We got a uh, we got the Bannon War Room and their guest. The uh, that uh, their response to all this. It should be great. Steve Bannon, a uh, wonderful citizen, an example to us all. happened here everybody the show is recorded live if you're listening on the podcast something weird just happened but i fixed it <laughs> i think i worry that um if donald trump's not elected president i i really do think the america that we know is done why do i say that it's not like one man should be able to change history but donald trump has all of us in his hands on his shoulders all around him he's standing up for all of us when he takes these slings and arrows. And if they're able to keep him out of that White House, I know he's gonna win, but if they're able somehow to keep him out of that White House, they're gonna change this country in a way that you've never seen. This $83 million is just the beginning. All of us will be paraded down this gangplank. We won't have our resources, we won't have our homes, we won't have our livelihood. Uh, And I think think the people that watch and listen to your show understand that. But today, when I heard that news, I'm like, it's worse than I thought. It's worse than I thought. Well, yeah, a lot of you didn't think it was going to be like $83 million. I didn't even know that the, the, the part of the judgment was coming up because I don't pay too close attention to this stuff. I just do one show a week sort of on the news of the week. And uh, you know, I do my best to pretend I have some idea what's going on during this show. But yeah, I didn't even know this was coming up. Up next, we got Fox and Friends and Friends and Friends and Friends and Friends. Um, and they're talking to uh, the former president. <laughs> and he said, I'll do it, uh, and I'll do it with you, but I'm only going to work on one block. We should bring those back, and we should bring back Deuce uh, on the Loose. Those are a lot of fun. Oh, Deuce on the Loose was crazy. The first time he did Deuce on the Loose, we um, watched him, and nobody in downtown New York wanted to uh, speak with him. <laughs> nobody, everybody just walked right by him because it was New York, and people were like, I'm walking here. Just a quick thing to add yeah. to that is a big thing with him is he says, I don't want my family involved. Yeah. You know, Ivanka says I'm out and I appreciate that. I uh, could appreciate that. And Eric, they do stuff and they got to go back to the business. But look what happened to him. They go on trial. Number one. Number two, you have Jared Kushner. They try mm-hmm. to put him in jail for volunteering to do what he's doing. Did nothing wrong. And then you have Don Trump Jr. was what? By Adam Schiff bringing him uh, in to testify multiple times on this Russia investigation. So he feels worse about the family than him. What I loved about it, though, we saw inside 
brightest plane today. We had that great interview with some serious questions, but some lighthearted questions yeah. too, like how tall is Jared? Which, I mean, um, Baird. Baird. Nine feet tall. Nine. Um, but anyway, it was great. Good job. We saw, Did they say nine? Brian had to stay up a little late to get that, so good job. Right. Good job. Uh, the main thing was to give a slice of life, not to do. Lawrence had a great one-on-one interview yeah. yesterday. I want to give a different perspective. What life is like right. behind the scenes. Speaking of Lawrence, we're going to check back in. I had a lighthearted interview. Asked him how asked him how tall his gigantic son is. Uh, there's still hope for Baron Trump, by the way. I hope I hope Baron Trump um, grows up to be like a, a fucking well-adjusted uh, young man. The rest of that family is crazy. Uh, t- I think uh, Tiffany, Tiffany, the one they never talk about. I think she okay. She like stays out of the limelight and shit. She didn't want anything to do with this shit show. Up next, we got uh, George Conway. Um, he is a media critic of sorts and uh, used to be um, married to Kellyanne Conway, but um, I think they broke up for whatever reason. Probably because uh, Kellyanne Conway is Kellyanne Conway. And here's him on CNN talking about um, Trump being sadistic and having no conscience. Do you think it'll stop him from talking about her? Maybe for a few hours, maybe for a few days. We've seen it before. We've seen him say and do outrageous things. And early on in his presidency, we'd see him say the most insane things. And then all of a sudden he'd tamp it down for a few hours and read from a teleprompter and they'd say, oh, this is the new Donald Trump. Well, there, there is no new Donald Trump. The t- Donald Trump that you see today. Yeah, do you remember is- during his like presidency, everybody was like, oh, this is the moment where he will become president, where they were like expecting him to not act like a fool. And then he just acted like a fool. It's the same Donald Trump that people have who have been watching him closely for years and and who I I unfortunately had to watch over the last several years. It's the same Donald Trump. He is, as Judge Kaplan, uh, the presiding judge in this case, said he's somebody who can't control himself and he can't control himself because he's a deeply disturbed, a deeply morally bereft human being who has no conscience, has no morality, has no empathy, has no remorse, and is sadistic, as we saw during the trial, and as the jurors saw in the trial, right in front of their very eyes, that he had nothing but contempt for the woman that he raped and libeled and defamed so many times. This is a sick man. He is a bad man. And what's most disturbing about this is that so, so many people make this about politics, that they, they want to support him for whatever reason or because they've done it in the past and they pretend that he is not who he is. And many of them, I mean, some of them are ignoramuses, but many of them in the upper reaches of his political party know better. They know who he is. They talk about who he is behind closed doors. They know he is an evil man. They know he is a sick man. They talk about his his, his mental deficiencies, his, his psychological disorders. They talk about what a pathological liar he is. And then when somebody asks them to go on the record to talk about it, they say, oh, no comment. I didn't see the tweet. They say, like a presidential candidate recently did, I haven't been following the case or something like that. And they're all lying, lying to protect a pathological liar. And it's, it's about time that these people look themselves in the mirror and start telling the truth, okay? It's better for them in the long run to start telling the truth and admit that they've been covering up for a sexual predator, a criminal, a thief, a man who does not 
deserve to hold any office, let alone the highest office in the land. But this is, again, it's not about politics. It's about right and wrong. And people need to start looking at it that way. George Conway, you played a pivotal role in this. Thank you for joining tonight with your perspective. So like everything he said, I tend to agree with, but I think this stuff is largely like impotent. I think it's not going to uh, sway anyone. I don't think any of the sick fans are going to uh, hear George Conway on CNN and go, oh shit, it fucking fixes in. It's time to start telling the truth. This is, this stuff doesn't work. It's like appealing to like the good nature of the people who have shown us that they're just willing to do whatever it takes to like maintain power. It doesn't work. That's not going to happen. They need to be, they need to be like very, uh, like they need to be defeated. These people need to be, they need to get their ass kicked in the next election, like in a dramatic way. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's likely that Biden gets reelected. And I think it's likely that the Democrats keep the, the Senate like by the, like barely like they have it now. And I think there's some chance that the Democrats may take back the house, but it's not going to be a walloping. The reason it's not going to be a walloping is there's nothing there. There's nothing. There's really nothing there. The only thing is, is that we're not these crazy people. They're not. <clears throat> they're not talking about healthcare. They're not talking about infrastructure. They're not talking about wages. They're not talking about student debt. They're not talking about any of the things that people really care about. All they're doing is like, we're not these guys. Well, yeah, you're not those guys. All right, cool. We figured. Everybody figured that out. Um, you got. You got anything else? And the answer is going to be no. And when, you know, the last person who did have something else, it was uh, one Mr. Bernard Sanders, he lost. He lost. You know, people are like, oh, he got it stolen from him. No, he just didn't get the most votes. He lost. Came close. I think he could have won in 2016 if he would have thought that he had a chance. But I think he was running as an issue candidate in 2016 and didn't realize what a broad appeal he would have. And then, but that moment, his moment passed, unfortunately. And by 2020, he just didn't, he didn't quite get there. He was close. There was a minute, there's a fucking week or two there where it looked like where it looked like he was the guy to beat, but yeah, wasn't the case. So all you got all you got is we're not them. And I mean you can win on that, but you're not gonna you're not gonna accomplish anything on just being like we're not these crazy people. Speaking of crazy people, uh this week in um the Speaker of the House, this is a really bad argument against abortion. Roe v. Wade gave constitutional cover to the elective killing of unborn children in America, period. You think about the implications of that on the economy. We're all struggling here to, to cover the bases of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest. If we had all those able-bodied workers in the economy, we wouldn't be going upside down and toppling over like this. Listen, the gentleman I, I will not yield. I will not. Roe was a terrible corruption of America's constitutional jurisprudence. Okay, so what? That's not a, not a good argument. You're a dumb fuck. I'm glad the Speaker of the House... I'm honestly kind of glad the Speaker of the House is a dumb fuck, to be perfectly honest. Kevin McCarthy was way, way better operator than this guy. Like, honestly, Kevin McCarthy was way better at, like, politics than this guy. Way better at, like, trying to appear somewhat reasonable. This guy is just a crackpot. And so, um, he's, like, going to be... He's highly ineffective. Anyway, up next... Folks, are teachers unions racist? The most bigoted comments I hear today come from liberals. The, the racists that we should just 
turn our focus towards are teachers unions who trap poor black kids in cities like Chicago what? out of their greatest future because they refuse to let them go to good, good schools. I can't imagine why the Democrats have not just said, dear people, I'm sorry, we resign, love DNC. Truly, that's the best thing they could do for the nation. And frankly, what? Just everybody, just the whole Democratic Party just resigned. This, Tim Scott is a dumb fuck. He's like, oh, you know what the best thing my political opponents could do? They just quit. They just resign. Well, that's a good fucking strategy there, buddy. I hope that works out for you. Clearly going to work out for you. <laughs> of course not. The whole Democratic Party isn't going to quit. Anyway, there's a Texas bill that would force schools to display the Ten Commandments, and a Christian legislator in the Tennessee State House uh, has some thoughts, and um, I think there's like critical support to this guy, actually. He's this is pretty good, it's pretty good. And I think, um, I think like, <clears throat> like normal, and I, I word normal is weird, but like regular-ass people who happen, who are like religious in America are starting to kind of rise up a little bit. They're starting to be like, wait, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> like, why are you so crazy? And this is this guy's doing a why you so crazy. And I say this to you as a fellow Christian, Representative Noble, I know you're a, a devout Christian, and so am I. This bill to me is not only unconstitutional, it's not only un-American, I think it is also deeply unchristian. And I say that because I believe this bill is idolatrous, I believe it is exclusionary, and I believe it is arrogant. And those three things, in my reading of the gospel, are diametrically opposed to the teachings of Jesus. You probably know Matthew 6, 5, when Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. A religion that has to force people to put up a poster to prove its legitimacy is a dead religion. And it's not one that I want to be a part of. It's not one that I think I am a part of. You know that in scripture it says faith without works is what? Dead. Is dead. My concern is instead of bringing a bill that will feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, we're instead mandating that people put up a poster. <laughs> yeah kind of this guy right he's like we can just put up a poster and we both follow a teacher a rabbi who said don't let the law get in the way of loving your neighbor loving your neighbor is the most important law it is the summation of all the law and all the prophets i would submit to you that our neighbor also includes the hindu student who sits in a classroom the Buddhist student who sits in a classroom and an atheist student who sits in a classroom. And my question to you is, does this bill truly love those students? I'm going to go a different direction than I think you're trying to lead me. And <laughs> He's trying to ask a question. I mean, he did a little grandstanding, but I mean, I, I, I liked it. It was grand and, and he wasn't even standing. That is that a very great wrong was done in our classrooms with that 1980 um, decision. Every time on this committee, 
um, that we try to teach students values like empathy or kindness. We're told we can't because that's the parent's role. Every time on this committee that we try to teach basic sex education to keep our kids safe, we're told that's the parent's role. But now you're putting religious commandments, literal commandments in our classrooms and you're saying that's the state's role. Why is that not the parent's role? <laughs> like the closed captioning. Everybody, this is great. The closed captioning just says silence. <laughs> that, that That's really an interesting rabbit trail that you've gone on with that. Would you be... Oh, no, no, ma'am, that's a very good question. Well, with adding language to receive uh, parental consent from all the parents of students in the classroom before putting it up? I, I would not. I am, again, going to keep it clean as it came over. So you don't want parental consent when it comes to students receiving religious commandments? I don't believe that... I, again, I think that these are foundational to, 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 being, a good, um, to being a good citizen. Do you believe schools are for education and not indoctrination? Absolutely. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is why is having a rainbow in a classroom considered indoctrination and not having the Ten Commandments in a classroom? Is that a question? Yes. I, I am not arguing another poster. I'm arguing this, that this, that the Ten <laughs> Commandments are represented, represented in our earliest education system. I just worry this is what gives us religious people a bad name. That instead of living out the way of Jesus, we're instead imposing our beliefs on other people. Instead of leading by example, we're leading by mandates. And so I'm very offended by this legislation. I know you and I have worked together and I'm not casting aspersions on you and I would love to work with you. Uh, but as it is currently written, I find this to be a deeply offensive bill. Yep. <clears throat> there would be a place for this, by the way. You could have the Ten Commandments up in a classroom. If the classroom, if you were teaching about Christianity, the history of Christianity, you could put up a poster during that time. No problem. Or if you was a comparative religion class and you had a bunch of different religious sort of posters on the wall so that the students could compare and contrast, that would be fine, too. Um, I don't know what they're doing here, is it? That's not, there's nothing to do with that. There's nothing to do with education. Good for that guy. Good for that guy. This thing's probably going to pass, but then the courts are going to strike it down because they, you can't do this. This is a violation of the First Amendment. Just plain and simple. There's a violation of the, uh, the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Just plain and simple. You can't use the state to respect the establishment of a religion. <clears throat> I know it says Congress shall enact no law, but it has been interpreted by the courts for the entirety of this country's history. That means the government can't do it. So, up next, uh, this is a pretty sad story out of Ohio. Um, Brittany Watts uh, suffered a miscarriage and was then charged with a felony. Not like she suffered a miscarriage and then went and committed a felony. You know, the miscarriage is the, the felony, actually. Because you could, you could suffer a miscarriage and then go commit a felony, I suppose. But that's not what happened here. The miscarriage is being treated as a felony. And uh, this is the first time she has uh, spoken out about um, this thing that is happening to her. 
Warren, Ohio. I was born here. I was raised here. Outside of a courthouse in Warren, Ohio, a rally planned in support of Brittany Watts turned into a celebration after a grand jury announced Watts would not be charged with a felony. I'm truly honored and grateful that you all have... Damn, how do you not get an indictment in Ohio? ...to support me, and we are not done fighting. Thank you so much. How would you describe Brittany Watts before all of this happened? No one knew my name. <laughs> I was quiet most of the time, just minding my own business. Like she a nurse? The is she a nurse? Is that a, is she wearing is she wearing scrubs? Medical receptionist was in oh, her second she Oh no, she works at a fucking hospital too. Or she? Oh, no, oh this poor lady. Trimester of what she thought was a healthy pregnancy, but on September nineteenth, I noticed that I was leaking the fluid, and it was. It was uncomfortable. I, I didn't know if I had used the bathroom on myself or what was going on. And this is when your water broke, but you didn't know that. Correct. I went to my OBGYN once I started bleeding, and so I'm thinking something's not right. And what ultimately did the doctor tell you that meant about the health of your baby? That there was still a faint heartbeat, but the pregnancy was going to be non-viable. Medical records show Watts was taken by ambulance to Mercy Health St. Joseph Warren Hospital, where doctors confirmed the fetus would not survive. I waited in the hospital, waiting for the doctor to come in or call, and I kept asking whoever would come in to check my vitals. I said, have you heard anything? Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, well, we're still waiting. We're still waiting. I'm like, okay. After being monitored for eight hours in the hospital, she decided to leave against medical advice, despite warnings of potentially fatal complications. I was frustrated. I felt ignored. Then I returned the next day, thinking that there was going to be an induction or something. On the second day, Watts stayed for nearly 11 hours, waiting to be induced. But that never happened. So they put an IV in you, but that was the extent of any process to induce the yes, pregnancy. Correct. Okay. Watts's case had been referred to the hospital's ethics committee, in part because medical staff reported concerns that Watts was using the phrase abortion when discussing the next steps of her care. Ohio law bans abortions after 22 weeks with exceptions for life saving care. Yeah, but just because the patient used that terminology, <clears throat> I mean, even she's she works at a, a the front desk in, at a medical place, so she's maybe going to have a little better language around this. But like in the set of circumstances you're in, you're going to probably want to be probably going to speak pretty plainly and uh, kind of off the cuff, and you, you would <clears throat> think be it would be rational to assume that the people around you wouldn't be like picking apart the exact language you were using to describe what was going on. At the time, Watts was 21 weeks and six days pregnant. In a statement, Mercy Health told CBS News, quote, while the legislative environment has placed an increased focus on the necessity and importance of ethical reviews, our mission compels us to provide compassionate care to all. But Watts and her attorney say no one told her the ethics committee was even involved. And I'm like, okay. Nobody knows I'm here. I need to know something. And I was getting frustrated again. 
Records show it took more than six hours for the committee to decide she could be induced, despite doctors warning that they needed to act before Watts was, quote, on death's door. I'm scared. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So the doctors were like trying to tell this ethics committee that, hey, this this woman is actually uh, this, we're, this is a, a medical emergency. And the people at the hospital were like, oh, well, we, we have to think about it. There's a non-viable pregnancy in me. Right. Am I going to die? Is there something that you're not telling me that I really, really need to know? So you're worried about your health, too, at this point. Exactly. So I left again without being treated. Two days later, she miscarried. And I go to the bathroom. I sit down on the toilet and I'm just, I'm doubled over. And then that's when I hear splash. And then I look down, there's blood. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to get cleaned up all while thinking, wow, did that really just happen? But it really just happened. I'm really awake right now. This is really what, what life is now. For the third time, Watts returned to the hospital. The nurse comes in and she's rubbing my back and uh, talking to me and saying everything's gonna be okay. Little do I know, the nurse that was comforting me and saying that everything was going to be okay was the one who called the police. Oh, hell no. I had a mother who um, had a delivery at home and came in without the baby. Oh, hell no. Go find this baby or direct me what I need to do. Did she say if the baby was alive or not? She said she didn't want to look, she didn't want the baby, and she didn't look. What the the nurse said that you said you didn't want to look and that you did not want the baby. Do you remember saying that? I said I did not want to look. I had never said I, I didn't want my baby. I would have never said something like that. It just makes me angry that somebody would put those type of words in my mouth to make me seem so callous and so, so hateful. A nurse called police at the direction of the hospital's risk management team. Watts was later arrested by the Warren Police Department and charged with abuse of a corpse, a felony carrying up to a $2,500 fine and up to one year in prison. I want to thank my community. Two weeks ago, an Ohio grand jury declined to indict Watts. So why do you think... Yeah, I don't, I don't even care what you believe. You hear this story. <clears throat> you're that in that grand jury room. You, you're not going to indict this person. You're, you're just going to vote now. You're going to be like, this person has been through a lot. Even if you are like a very staunch anti-abortion person, you're just going to vote now. They were quick to charge you. Because of my skin color, honestly. And because there are no laws behind what you are to do in this situation. She was painted in this picture of a young, unmarried black woman that did not comply with their orders to keep waiting. And they weaponized the police. Why talk about this now publicly? Because I don't want any other woman to go through what I had to go through. How would you describe the Brittany Watts today? Motivated, because now that the charges have been dropped, 
I'm ready to get to work. Making sure that the laws are changed and people are educated on what to do for something that happens all the time. And, you know, as the old saying goes, history repeats itself. I don't want it to happen in this case. In a statement after the grand jury's decision, the Trumbull County prosecutor said after a careful evaluation of both sides, positions, interviewing witnesses, and researching and applying the law, this office believes Brittany Watts did not violate the Ohio criminal statute of abuse of a corpse. CBS News reached out to warn police, but they did not return our request for comment. Well, the prosecutor... <clears throat> It was out of the prosecutor's hands. The grand jury was like, we're not indicting you on this. Uh, abuse of a corpse is like, this is, this, those, those laws are probably, probably written in some kind of fucked up way, but they certainly like weren't designed for this. I don't know. I mean, like how long, how long should you wait at the hospital if you feel like they're not taking you seriously or what? I don't know. I don't know. She didn't make all the right decisions or whatever, but who would? Who among us would make all the right decisions at, in this situation? It was, I mean, it was probably terrifying. Not probably. It had to be terrifying. There, it could not be terrifying. I couldn't imagine this not being scary. My God. Up next, we got Trey Gowdy, of all people, uh, is the voice of reason on uh, some of this um, kind of horrible abortion stuff going on in the country right now. Trey Gowdy, uh, not exactly uh, known for being a moderate. I, I tell you what we do have a sense of is most Americans do not want women or doctors imprisoned when it comes to the issue of abortion. And when you have state legislators like one in my home state who are advocating for the death penalty for a rape victim who decides not to carry the child, then that is a political loser. So Republicans used to say this is a state issue. Now it got to the states and you got crazy legislators proposing things like the death penalty. Most Americans, most Americans, you can criticize Roe versus Wade all you want, but most Americans had come to some peace that this is what the law is. Yeah, I mean, then this guy, again, not, not known for having been a moderate while he was in the government. Just like how far things have slid that this guy's like, oh, come why are you doing this? He's like, do you just want to lose? Because it's this stuff. It's not that like, <clears throat> it's not that the Democrats are fielding good candidates or even like have any kind of coherent message going into 2020, the 2024 elections. It's this stuff. The regular people are going to be like, I wasn't even going to vote, but fuck. I guess I got to go vote because this is crazy town. I can't do this. I, I think that, I think that we're going to see a non-insignificant amount of that people basically voting against this stuff. And I think it's going to be the only thing that prevents uh, Republicans having all three branches of government uh, going into 2025. Up next, we got Dylan, who was uh, kicked out of a Trump rally. Um, <laughs> this is a funny story. So apparently uh, Trump's lawyer had claimed to be sick for one of the days that she was supposed to be at court. And so they, you know, they rescheduled. You know, that's reasonable, right? If your lawyer's sick, you can reschedule a court date. Probably really sucks if you're in custody because you're like, well, fuck, man. You know, maybe you could come to work with a fucking cold. Um, but uh, so she was found to have been at a party. Uh, the reason she was found to have been at a party <laughs> uh, is because this guy filmed her at the party. And so Donald Trump got mad, fired him, and uh, believe they, he was removed from a Trump rally. 
but don't worry. He's still uh, ultra MAGA or whatever. Let's hear from Dylan. Hey, I'm Dylan Quachucci. I'm that guy who was kicked out of President Trump's victory party the other night. After that was a victory party. Working on two of his New Hampshire Trump campaigns, knocking over 10,000 doors for him, making over 40,000 phone calls for him throughout the years and doing everything I possibly could to help him get elected. But I want to clear up some of the rumors. Number one, I'm still wholeheartedly supporting President Trump because he's the only man that can save Western civilization. He built our border wall and he's going to finish building our border wall to stop. So he built the wall, but he's also going to finish building the wall. The southern invasion. He's going to build the greatest economy of all time, and bring that back on track. And he's going to do peace through strength with his foreign policy to keep us safe for years to come and not bring us any new wars. But also the rumors that I'd like to clear up are... Number one, President Trump did not have me removed from the event. I was invited to the event. I got an email invitation. I got a text message invitation and members on staff told me they wanted me to be there since when I was the deputy director. I laid the groundwork, trained everyone how to knock all the doors and really got this going. So they wanted me to celebrate and be there for it. Number two, this wasn't an accident. I saw the state director for President Trump. And then moments later, the guy standing next to him came up to me, asked if I was Dylan, told me I had to leave. Number three, this has nothing to do with me taking a photo with President Trump's rock star attorney, Alina Haba. Oh, yes, it has everything to do with that, I think. She was there taking photos with other people. So obviously me taking a picture with her was not the reason why I got kicked out. So just wanted to clear some of th these things up so you guys know where I stand. <laughs> Dumb fuck. Ah, uh, these people don't care about you. They don't care how many fucking doors you knocked on, dude. I didn't give a shit about you. I don't give a shit about that guy either, but the story's kind of funny. Kind of funny to watch, like, when people's, like, heroes or whatever, or, like, things that they believe in, like, turn out to be, you know, like a bunch of bull crap, and they're just like, oh, I'm just going to actually double down on this. So, everybody, the war on Christmas is over. I think we won again this year. Our side won. Uh, but don't worry. Uh, there's a new war, and uh, Eric Trump is here to tell you about it. You know, there's an all-out war on family in this country. There's an all-out war on, on God and religious freedom in this country. There's certainly an all-out war on freedom of speech and First Amendment. Um, you know, in, in this nation, you guys have seen that, and you've covered it probably every single day for the last, you know, three years. Um, people are sick and tired of the nonsense. People want our economy back. They want low gas prices again. They don't want World War III to break out all over the world. They want to be able to, um, you know, worship God and speak freely and not be censored and not be deplatformed. Um, and not have war waged against them and their, their quality of life every single day. People are, are sick and tired of the games, and you know they want to be able to live the American dream, and that's what my father did. He, he <laughs> oh, God, Eric, Eric Trump is aging pretty fast. Aging real fast. This is dumb. There's no war on the family or religion or whatever. People can still go to church. And these people, they, they, just, they just like want to try to <clears throat> they're just trying to harness that fear that that a lot of folks have had and it's it's i think it's like not really working as well as it once did i think even like a lot of like religious people religious conservatives might be just getting tired of this message because it doesn't change it doesn't change it doesn't evolve with the times it's just the same all oh, they're trying to take our god away from us no nobody's doing that nobody's doing that and i i'm just thinking this is going to start to fall flat We'll find out, though. I could be wrong. I've been wrong about a great many things. Up next, here's an ad that ran during a Fox News segment. Terrorist attacks against Israel, escalating threats of a third world war, natural disasters and civil unrest are causing people to wonder, are we living in the end times? No. 
In his new book, Are We Living in the End Times, trusted pastor and best-selling author Dr. Robert Jeffress provides solid biblical answers to seven key questions, including what role does Israel play in the end times? What five headlines will signal we are in the end times? And how can you prepare for the end times? <laughs> are We Living in the End Times by Dr. Robert Jeffress is available right now at ptv.org and wherever fine books are sold. Jesus said, no one knows the hour or day of his return, which is why we should be ready at all times. <laughs> Jesus is coming back to earth one day. Are you ready? I, I look busy, everybody. Jesus is coming back. Like most Christians don't believe this shit. Like, they're not like, oh, Jesus is going to come back during my lifetime. No, 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 no. So up next, we have a story about 47 Soros bucks. This is Pastor Mark Burns. You've seen him at some of the uh, Reawaken America tour events. And uh, he's going to talk about not uh, not George Soros, but I think George Soros' son or grandson. And um, $47. And as always, shout out to Right Wing Watch for the clip. Couldn't do this show without Right Wing Watch. Alex Soros is a 38-year-old son of George. I know you know who George is. Oh, the son, not grandson. This is not no funny thing. This is what he put out there. Uh, today. Is this a threat? Last year, the crime and inflation crisis largely evaporated. So did the leading theories about what it caused them. There's a shot of a bullet hole and $47. <laughs> Uh-oh. 47 Soros bucks. In cash. This has... Uh, this is not a good thing here. Uh, what do you think that means, Mark Burns? I'll give you first shot at that. Well, you know, uh, first of all, I think that's very dangerous dog whistle messaging that Alex Soros was sending. I mean, we already know that the Soros family, you know, based off of the actions that they've been doing are, are evil people. Right. Um, and to put this dog whistle and many are interpreted as an assassination attempt um, of President Donald Trump. Um, again, this is a very dangerous time. And I really hope that the Why, that, that, that that doesn't that doesn't I don't see any message i don't even know what the message means what the fuck is 47 is that <clears throat> do they mean like would he be the 47th press i don't know they're just gonna pay somebody 47 bucks i i'm just very confused by this i would really take a look at this uh, because to me it's clear messaging um the bullet hole um and then of course you see 47 dollars so we're speaking about the next president of the united states of america by all accounts joe biden loses to a head-on match with donald trump again as you can see president trump is destroying a clear in the field within the republican nomination so he will be our nominee um and so for him to put this type of a messaging out there knowing who they support knowing the millions of dollars that they have donated to principles that are unbiblical to laws that are against the word of God uh, and to continuously funding these evil policies. Uh, it's clear to me that it is a message that many are interpreting as an assassination attempt uh, of Donald J. Trump. <laughs> People in chat are like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. I don't either. I 47. Okay. So Trump would be the 47th president, but because he was the 45th president, uh, Biden's the 46th, and Trump would be the 47th president, but I don't know, like, what was, like, wh why were there dollars, and why were, why were they, like, not even in the right order? I don't know. It was a, a really poorly crafted tweet that is, you know, doesn't, I don't even know if it, mean, if it meant anything. Just 
fucking confused. I can usually like, like read the fucking tea leaves or whatever with the, what the wax wackos are saying, but I don't even know what the fuck this guy was trying to say. Ah, here we go. We got a, this is a Christian nationalist, Jaron Jackson talking about the parents of uh, queer kids. I'm sure this will be great. Nothing to be uh, alarmed or concerned about here. I'm sure. Today, I want to lay down the law in regarding transgender children. This has been a plague on our society. The idea that parents, when God gives them children, would then slap God in his face, spit in his face, and then destroy what he gave them by trying to confuse and change their gender. Trans children are an abomination to the Lord. Because to spit into God's face and to be an abomination is not what he wants. All right. Well, that guy seems fucking crazy. He's going to vote. Are you going to vote? I think if that guy's going to vote, you can hold your nose and vote for whoever the fuck he's not voting for. I feel like that's a, not a big ask. Up, up next, we got Lauren Witzke. She used to be uh, the GOP's uh, candidate for Senate in Delaware. That was in 2020. And um, here's her talking about uh, 9-11. I believe that um, 9-11 was a human sacrifice on a mass scale. I think that, you know, they have been doing this work with these demons and, but the devil demands Oh, say Baal, say Baal, Baal, Baal. Say it, say it. Person in Hollywood or famous person, they had to sacrifice something, whether it was their innocence or another person or a thing or a child in order to get to where they are. You have to like provide a sacrifice. And if the government is working with these demons, they demand their sacrifice and just killing one person isn't going to be enough. You have to kill 3,000. Oh, and you have to do it on live television. Oh, and you have to air it in every classroom, a public room, a public school classroom in the country. So it was very much so. I believe that 9-11, like spiritually, was a human sacrifice, uh, some kind of sacrifice. <laughs> oh, man. I, lady, it was a terrorist attack carried out by the Al-Qaeda network. Um, Not even sure if those people really believe in demons or or Satan the way that you do presentation for the powers that be that are taking over our government and working with our government well she crazy wonder she didn't get elected <laughs> haven't anybody shocked she couldn't get elected in uh delaware <laughs> well the time has come you all knew this was going to be on the docket and full disclosure i have not watched this yet i waited till today to uh, consume this piece of content. I think you know what this piece of content is. <laughs> this is the Ben Shapiro rap single. They call me offensive, controversial. It's only two genders, boys and girls. They can't cancel my message because I'm the biggest independent rapper in the whole freaking world. Claim that I'm racist, yeah, all right. I'm not ashamed because I'm white. If every Caucasian's a bigot, I guess every Muslim's a terrorist. Every liberal is right. I don't want to talk to folks who don't get it. Go woke, go broke, no hope is pathetic. Pro choice pronouns, pro love, you're progressive. But you ain't pro gun, no one to protect it. Where the American flags at? Remember when people would hang those? They've been taken down, they all been replaced with BLM flags or a rainbow. The same rap, the same money, cars and clothes. We ain't selling drugs, we ain't gonna overdose. We ain't pushing guns, ain't promoting stripper poles. We won't turn your sons into thugs. Or your daughters in the holes. 
I can't. He, 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 he. Hold on. I'm the man, I'm the man who don't respect. Let's look at the stats. I've got the facts. My money like Liz, so my pockets are fat. Homie, I'm epic. Don't be a whap. Dog, it's a yamaka. Homie, no cap. Look at the graphs. Look at my charts. You're blowing money on strippers and cars. You go into prison, I'm on television. Dog, no one knows who you are. Keep hating on me on the internet. My comment section all woke Karen's. And I make racks off compound interest. Y'all live with your parents. Nikki, take some notes. I just did this for fun. All my people download this. Let's get a billboard number one. This ain't rap. This ain't money. Cars and clothes. We ain't selling drugs. We ain't gonna overdose. We ain't pushing guns. Ain't promoting strippers. We won't turn your sons into thugs or your daughters into hoes. I don't care if I offend you. I was put here to upset you. You can cry and you can scream. You can ride in the streets. You defunded the police. Now there's no one to protect you. I'll buy a fan. Then gonna rap more. I ask myself what we're banned to do. Let's just keep it real facts. Don't care how you feel, man. If you want my pronouns, I'm the man. I'm the man who don't respect you. You mad, you mad, you mad. I guess it's cool to be the victim. Well, I'ma be the man. You sad, you sad, you sad. You just try to get attention. Being triggered's all you have. You mad, you mad, you mad. You blame everybody else for every problem that you can. You sad, you sad, you sad I will never say I'm sorry, I ain't taking nothing back I don't care if I offend you I was put here to upset you You can cry and you can scream You can ride in the streets You defunded the police Now there's no one to protect you I'll buy a fan you I ask myself what we're banned to Let's just keep it real facts Don't care how you feel no. Also, I was like highly disappointed that Ben only got one verse. I was hoping Ben would get like another verse. I mean, I I would have given Ben another verse. Wouldn't you have given Ben another verse? Well, I actually um. Maybe Ben should uh, stick to rap, actually. Check this out. <laughs> Here's a fucking 19-second clip of Ben getting wrecked by some fucking, like, 20-year-old college student. Watch this. The purpose of marriage for literally all of human history was the bearing and rearing of children. Do you have children? You, I presume you do have children. Four. When they grow up and when they leave the home, are you going to seek a divorce having fulfilled the sole purpose of marriage? Or is that... <laughs> I didn't like the edit there. Um, I wish they would have shown that unedited, but I couldn't find that on short notice. But that was, that was easy. It's like, well, wait a minute. 
once your kids are grown, you're going to get divorced. <laughs> I feel like Ben might end up divorced before that, but that's just my, uh, my guess. <sighs> Here's a Tyvis, apparently a former uh, professional wrestler, but also a, uh, COVID and uh, air travel expert. Lots of air travel experts, uh, happening lately for, you know, whatever reason. Flies every week. I'm paying attention to everything. But again, it just goes back to that. We had the pandemic. Workforce got crumbled. And they came back with that wonderful thing of diversity, equity hires. Instead of hiring the best and brightest, now you're hiring people who are the first to put on a door on a plane. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want them. (laughs) So diversity, equity, and inclusion existed before the pandemic. Like I said, I've I've said it a million times, color skin is irrelevant, competent, know the skill set, knows the job. And if that means it's a 60-year-old white man who's so white he looks like the cloud, but he can put a plane together, I love you, baby. Give me so... (laughs) I'm not even going to go like the factual inaccuracies there. It wasn't like post-pandemic that people were trying to have more diverse workforces. And more diverse workforce does not make it so your plane falls apart. Um... <clears throat> that's a cutting costs to try to maximize profit might be a, a thing that uh, makes your plane fall apart. could be other things, just errors, uh, bad design, all kinds of things. Shit happens, man. It's a fucking metal tube flying through the, flying at like 35,000 feet going like 800 miles an hour. All kinds of shit can go wrong. I'm surprised they work as well as they do considering they're built by Americans. Up next, we got a uh, Candace Owens. Oh no, this is Charlie Kirk. Char- There's one Mr. Charles Kirk. Also an expert on uh, air travel. If you could uh, imagine that Charles Kirk would be an expert on air travel. And that's why I think this United story and the DEI story hits so hard because we've all been in the back of a plane when the turbulence hits or when you're flying through a storm and you're like, I'm so glad I saw the guy with the right stuff and the square jaw get into the cockpit before we took off. And I feel better now. No, I mean, like, you want to go thought crime? Like, I'm sorry. If I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Oh, my well, God. You wouldn't have done that, no, have done that not, before. That's not an immediate. Look, look at Bumblejack over there. Even Bumblejack is like, why'd you say what that? I believe. It is the reality the left has but created. I, I, I'm, I'm, like Bumblejack is like, I'm staying out of this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that uh, anybody who's a pilot on my plane is qualified. And not for nothing. Like the um, At this point, like. The pilot needs to be qualified, but the plane is largely flown by a computer at this point. Uh, do these people know that? That it's flown mostly by a computer? That uh, actually, if the pilot has to take over the primary functions of the plane at any point during the uh, during the flight, there's a problem. A fucking problem. So yeah, in that case, I do hope that person's qualified, but I'm not going to just decide uh, who who may or may not be qualified by taking a look at them. Up next, we got Candace Owens, a um, also a, uh, an air travel expert. But unfortunately, that is the reality of what happens when it comes to DEI. And what he is remarking on is true. I would be terrified if I got onto a plane and I saw a woman uh, flying the plane. And I know that we have the United CEO saying that he just wants to fulfill a quota. He just wants there to be more women and wants there to be more black people. And he's not concerned at first with qualifications. That is something that should alarm all of us guys, honestly. So like baked into this is the obvious assumption that the most qualified person will always be a white man. 
probably in my age cohort too, right? There's going to be some ageism going on here against like young people and against older uh, people. And um, I just operate under the assumption that it's a better them in charge of the fucking plane than me <laughs> because I don't know shit about the plane. <laughs> the only thing I know about the plane is um, that it's clearly spraying chemtrails. That's all I know about the plane. I hope I get on the chemtrail plane. My God. Up next, here's Candace Owens, um, Wizard of Oz uh, expert. All right, guys, now it's time to get into some of your comments, or rather to respond to a lot of the comments that I received pertaining to the Wizard of Oz and Black Twitter making me aware that actually what happened to the witch was outrageous. Now, first, speaking of Matt Walsh, I actually took this issue so seriously. I, I texted him over the weekend because I went back to revisit the clip after many of you wrote in that, no, what... Dorothy did was manslaughter. She accidentally killed the witch, making her not that bad of a person. So what I'm going to do for this comment section is I'm going to take you very slowly through what really took place in this scene after, again, Dorothy murdered somebody's sister and then stole her shoes, stole her red bottoms. That's pretty based, actually. I've, <laughs> I didn't know Dorothy's. I mean, she. if this is what happened, she should be in prison, but, you know murder an evil witch over some shoes i mean i don't know i stand so first just to provide you guys a background of what took place before i even show you the clip before the wicked witch if that's what we're calling her shows up the munchkins oompa loompas whatever you want to call them are throwing a party while there is a dead person under a, a house and they're skipping with dorothy saying ding dong the witch is dead yes well there's a dead person at center right there's somebody that's dead and they're dancing and saying, witch, oh, witch, the wicked witch. Obviously, this is some sort of a satanic ritual. <laughs> I want to make that clear. If they're having a satanic ritual, it's the only way to have a dead person and dance around oh, them. It's a satanic ritual, and everyone. the witch ends the party when she shows up and finds her dead sister. Because the vampires are getting hungry! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. The wicked witch had been, like, abusing, like, the people. And that's why they were... Glad that the witch was dead. It. I never ever. When I first started doing uh, this podcast, I was. I never. Somebody would have said to me, "Hey, you're gonna find somebody out there who is um going to try to defend the actions of the wicked witch in um the Wizard of Oz," and I'd be like, "No, I'm not. This is gonna not happen." We got one more. I thought about putting this in red light, but our regular news docket was a little thin. We're going to check in on uh, Brett and Heather. This is their response to Scott Adams and David Pakman's response to Brett's appearance on Tucker Carlson. Scott did a uh, segment in his recent um, Coffee with Scott Adams that he covered the pushback on the Tucker Carlson uh, discussion that I had. And he also covers, uh, he covers the mask question and he talks about it from a um, 
risk management perspective. Anyway, I was impressed with the quality of what he said, not just that he was supportive, which is, of course, nice, but um, but the quality of his analysis and his willingness. The Dilbert guy had quality analysis. Exactly, some of which was reflexive in their um, dismissal of this. Yeah, he. I will just say, I haven't listened to, <clears throat> to all of it, and he does say, okay, now I'm going to spend some time critiquing Brett. Um, and so he's, you know, he's he's very forthright and honest, but um, he says you need more Brett, and he salutes your ability to explain complicated things and your bravery and your dedication to following the data where it, where it takes you, um, and that's that. You know, I I of course agree. Um, I mean, I, I get a lot of you, but I still yeah. I still think the world needs more. You don't Brett. need more Brett, but other <laughs> um, people might. Uh, yeah, and it, it was it was just it was truly heartening. Um, to see this 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 bit from him really appreciate it actually i didn't when somebody pointed me to the scott adams thing i didn't pick up that it, uh his discussion of me was very late in the coffee thing so i listened to the whole thing mm -hmm. which was actually really interesting um scott has a pretty uh advanced perspective politically across the whole map he covers multiple topics and i thought it was well worth a listen so we'll post it in the show notes well that, yeah. that so says anyway, something about um, you uh appreciate appreciated the support and appreciated the nuance in what scott had to say david um is of course scandalized by my having referenced dennis raincourt's work suggesting 17 million deaths so far from covid vaccination well yeah. maybe because it's he's not scandalized by it i don't think he's just like well this is stupid uh, he goes through a bizarre, in my opinion, um, refutation of Raincourt's number. Raincourt uh, explores the question of excess deaths and the timing relative to uh, waves of COVID and so, uh, so correlation campaigns. And he shows uh, what I, I don't think it's conclusive, but I think it's uh, quite compelling evidence that the timing suggests that the excess deaths are not the result of COVID and are the result of uh, the vaccination campaign. Um, so translation, this guy that Brett likes made some claims without uh, being able to back them up. And Brett liked that. And uh, Dave Pakman probably simply said that the guy made claims that he couldn't back up because that's what Dave Pakman would say. Hackman refutes this, and he acknowledges that he's playing with anecdotes here, but he goes through a rhetorical interchange with his audience who he can't hear answering. But his point was, um, does do you hear your audience ans answering you when you engage in rhetor rhetorical devices, Brett? Do you hear them? Are they in the room with you? No, anyone who had a serious vaccine injury. No. I don't think maybe one or two of you do, but almost nobody does. So he's just talking to himself? Yeah. Does anybody know That's anybody? I mean, I guess That's technically I'm talking to myself right now. Doing a show. Tending to be anecdote. It, right. It's like a it's thought. Pseudo anecdote. Pseudo thought anecdote. And I will say, uh, I saw your thing. I'm in your audience, I guess, David. I know lots of people who were. Oh, you know what? You should go on the David Pakman show. I'm not a huge Dave Pakman stand, but he does a pretty good job with people like Brett generally 
hurt. Actually, you know some of them. You don't know others, and I'm not going to out them. But yeah, the number of people who I know who actually did have a serious adverse event, including Many one of whom are still hiding that fact because somehow being injured is now itself a crime. It's a moral crime to have been. So now they're hiding it. We know them, but actually they're not even telling us. By something the government told you to take. What's more, somebody uh, who was a friend of mine got an injury and I interviewed him about it. And that's on Dark Horse. So this is somebody, I didn't pick him because he was injured. He and I uh, knew each other before he was injured. He believed the shots were a good idea, got one, was severely injured. Um, I then got him to a doctor who knew how to treat his injury and he's much better. But nonetheless, the number of people in our circle who do have a serious injury. And the so this of- stuff is you is a non-falsifiable claim. We can go watch the interview. I suppose we're not going to, but we go find the interview. But even so, <clears throat> the claims that are going to be made in that are not falsifiable. And I keep saying this, it's because you cannot look up somebody else's fucking medical record. And that is good. I don't want anyone looking into your medical records, my medical records, your friend's medical records, Brett and Heather's medical records, even, or any of their friends. Well, I mean, so the, you know, the thing that will come back there is because we are people who have been talking about the lack of uh, safety and efficacy of these vaccines, of course, we will collect such stories. And that, that is also true. But we know people, many people whom we knew before COVID ever existed, um, who have been vaccine injured. That's right. Yeah, but I bet, I bet, I bet, like a, a non-insignificant number of those people don't want anything to do with you anymore because you're wackos. That's the measure. Yep. yep. Yeah, you can't you can't use the other because it could just be an uh, an attractor. But um, but no, the number of people that we know we knew beforehand who have a serious injury is substantial. And if you don't, David, my guess is, and I. I've said this before, you need to ask the question in such a way that people will give you the answer. If you go around demonizing people who talk about vaccine injuries and then you say, by the way, anybody got one? Yeah, no kidding. Those people won't be in your audience at a very high level and they won't be in your social circles. And if they are in your social circles, they're going to be quiet about it because Mm -hmm. you're asking them to out themselves as the enemy. Um, And I think the thing that is very difficult to talk about um, well, to, to get appreciation for is how many people we know and how many other people we know who in turn know many people who are vaccine injured and are not out, even many in many other cases to their families, to their employer. Oh, now they're comparing this to being gay. They're like, oh, they haven't come out of the closet about being vaccine injured. The problem is, what do they mean when they say vaccine injured? Like, was I vaccine injured when I had to cancel an episode of Local Love? when I got the first booster, I think when I still lived in Campbell, because it just put me the fuck in bed like for 36 hours. Is that what they're talking about? Or the first time I got the vaccine, my drink grabbing arm was uh, sore. Is that, is that, they're talking about that. They're talking about the story that they uh, had somebody on uh, the show when Heather wasn't there, where they said it made a baby's head explode. Is that what they're talking about? to their friends who are skeptical that anyone is getting injured. So again, it's this, it's considered a moral failing. You know, just as it used to be, just as, you know, being a woman in Victorian era, in Victorian times was a moral failing of some sort, right? It is considered a moral failing by people like David Pakman um, to have been vaccine injured. 
I don't that think that, that's you're, but what you're, that this does is, this do is, is it changes the behavior of those people who have been vaccine injured, not all of them by any means. Um, but but it is certain we know some of these people and we know many others by reputation. Great, you should talk to David then. Set him straight. <laughs> Set David Backman straight on this one by you know two degrees of separation um, that many people who have been injured and who are able to obscure it in some way try to pass and they are successful in passing and yes it's not the usual context in which you hear passing referred to but there are a lot of people out there right now who are passing as being vaccinated and being just fine but no more they're passing are you kidding now you're talking they're passing very much but actually what went into that decision to not take any more boosters was the fact that they were injured by the previous iteration. Um, or just kind of fatigue. A lot of people like got the first booster and not the second one, not for any ideological reason. The same reason I used to not get the flu shot because I'm fucking lazy. Yes, he has got a self-reinforcing uh, pattern. Um, <laughs> sir, sir. It does not match what one sees uh, from a different perspective, lots of injured people. He then goes on to use, so Raincourt looks at many different countries and looks at the independent uh, data sets of deaths, which are very uh, um, studiously recorded in all nations or virtually all nations. And Pacman thinks he refutes it based on his thought experiment, which is, deeply flawed. Um, he says he knows nobody who was vaccine injured and he knows several people who died from COVID. Now that's not a thought experiment. That's anecdotal. Sure. But I, <clears throat> I've seen enough of Pacman to know that he, that I would be, I would be stunned if he didn't say this guy is making this claim without any evidence and that that would be like the first thing he would say about it. Chances that the people he knows that quote unquote died of COVID were also vaccinated. And therefore you have to ask the question of what were the factors that contributed to their death is high. And uh, given how many people are asymptomatic when testing positive for COVID and given how many people have been very, very sick while never testing positive for COVID, COVID is clearly a fellow traveler for some people and many cases that have been attributed, many deaths that have been attributed to COVID were not of COVID, but with COVID. But with COVID, which is something Raincourt covers very carefully. Um, finally, going from Raincourt's study, which covers many different nations, Hackman claims to refute it on the basis of a pattern he says took place in Peru. Now, I watched Raincourt's presentation. Raincourt is very careful to point out those circumstances in which a pattern goes in the other direction. I suggest David Pacman have Dennis Raincourt on, and they can have this out if if David. Yeah, but this is the <clears throat> so this person. This is the the problem here. Uh, the guy is uh, doing like scientific studies, and if. Uh, there's no point in a talking head uh, having him on for um, a discussion about this unless he's just having him on to talk about his study. Uh, what would be appropriate would be for uh, Dave Pacman to have one or both of you on because you do the same job he does. You're, a you're talking head, just like he is. So that, that would be appropriate, actually. Uh, but you don't want to do that. We know why. If you think you've got this analysis beat, then 
you should definitely have Dennis Raincourt on and you can humiliate him and the world will know that this, uh, these excess deaths are not the result of the vaccine campaign and you will have done a lot of good in your, in your mind. I don't think that's what's going to happen. And finally, I would just say Pacman at the very end of his little piece says that he is, um, that five years ago, he would have thought I was too smart to fall for the idea that these um, vaccines are causing substantial excess deaths. Well, that was, that's death. David Pacman's bad five years ago. I think right around the time, how was the intellectual dollar tree been five years? Anyway, <clears throat> I, I thought this guy was a fucking idiot from the from the very jump when he first started getting popular. And now he's caught between two possibilities. One possibility is that I'm lying, and the other yeah. is that I don't get it. And he, he has a little debate. He says, lying is worse, but these things are both horrifying. So he has me, that little debate with himself? Yeah. Let me clarify this for him. Mm. I'm not lying, David, and I don't think you know what you're talking about. So I suggest have Dennis Raincourt on. Why don't I'm you go talk to Dave Dennis Raincourt's number is right. Go talk but to I do think it's credible. I think the methodology is valid. And um, the nature of excess deaths is that one has to infer based on other evidence what would be causing them, which Raincourt is careful about. So if you, if you think you've got this one nailed, then show us. So if you notice when he talked about this, he talked about watching the guy give a talk on it. But he didn't ever even mention, like, did he read the study? Was the study published anywhere? Like, are we just taking this guy's word that he did the work? If it was published somewhere, what what did the peer review look like? Was anybody able to uh, replicate the study? Was anybody able to do a similar study and come to similar uh, conclusions? My guess is that uh, Brett wouldn't know the answer to any of these questions. And so he should be afraid to come on here, too, because those are the questions I would ask, because I'm a lay person. And... <clears throat> Brett is, has a degree in biology and was a biology teacher, but he's pretty far removed from doing any work in that field. So um, he's now also a lay person, a talking head, talk show host. Not a bad thing to be. I'm a talk show host. Wouldn't, wouldn't think that what I'm doing here is bad. I just don't like to declare myself to be the expert on uh, too many things. The only thing I'm an expert on is the uh, rise and fall of the chemtrail movement. And maybe at this point, the fucking antics of one Mr. Aaron Smith 11. But that's it. Those are all just, and those are um, society things, not science things. So that's the end of the uh, regular part of the podcast. Uh, live viewers, live listeners, wherever you may be, whichever platform you're on. Okay, all of you are on Twitch. Uh, sit tight. We're going to go into the uh, post game. Podcast listeners, bye. This is uh, Boomers. It's by Periscope. And uh, I'm going to change the color of the lights in this room and uh, change the contents of my beverage. And we'll be back with red light.